Father, we just want to thank you for each testimony given tonight, the fact that you work in our lives, that you use us. Uh, Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for your blessings and your goodness. We're thankful for the things that we can see, and Lord, we want to be thankful for the things that we do not see, the things that we're not even aware of, but yet we know that because of your goodness and your greatness, you are working in lives, and we thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, brother. And let's go to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. And we've been going through some progressions in Scripture, just different uh, things. And tonight is not a progression as much as it is a collection. And uh, if you're familiar at all with the book of Revelation, Revelation chapters 4 and 5 are key chapters in, in our Bible dealing with the issue of worship. And um, I just want to read a few verses and then get back and, and, uh, and work our way through some of these, uh, as we're just going to call them tonight, components or parts uh, of worship. Uh, I like in the Bible where there's lists. Uh, there's normally something significant there. There's something going on, something that we should uh, pay attention to. And so let's start our reading in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is, and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And uh, let's... Boy, I just wish we could read the whole chapter, but uh, I want us to just focus in on the parts uh, uh, of, of uh, worship here. And let's start in verse um, 8 of chapter 5, and it said... And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Uh, Joe? Put that in your pocket. Thank you. Um, and has redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times. Ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches 
and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Now, as we read these passages, uh, um, we see that heaven, eternity future, is going to be about the worship of God. Uh, we have a service on Sunday morning we call our worship service. And, and that is a time when we try to worship God, when we claim to have it set aside for the honor and glory of God. We honor Him with our time. We come, we receive our offering uh, on Sunday morning because we want to be able to give to Him. And all of these things are in here. Now, what I want us to do is just kind of break this down. In chapter 4, he is worshipped as the Creator. Verse 11 sums it up. It says, uh, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And then we come to chapter 5, and he is worshipped as Savior. But there's a word that goes in there both times. It's a word that uh, we use sometimes, but not very often, and it says in verse 11, Thou art worthy. Verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Now, that word is a, a simple word. It's not complicated. It is just dealing with the value or the merit. Uh, uh, oftentimes, we will look at an event that we're trying to participate in and we'll say, you know what, I would like to be there, but it's just not worth the effort. Anybody ever been there? Said, I'd like to be there. Now, don't do that about church. But, Sometimes we say, I would like to buy such and such a thing. I'd like to buy a car. But they want so much money, it's not worth the expenditure. Uh, I don't understand how in the world a 25-foot wide piece of property can be worth a million dollars. It just doesn't make sense to me. But that is the value that people will put on those, and people are paying. I heard a real estate agent uh, talking about New York City, and, the, and uh, her simple thing was, yeah, there will be a bubble, but, you know, New York City is just capable of swallowing up so many people. She said, it's not going to get overcrowded, even though it's going to get worse than it is right now. Uh, they're, they're, look around the story. They're tearing down two family houses and putting up six and eight family houses. Uh, it is going to get more crowded. And uh, uh, the thing is, why do people live here? 
It's New York. Uh, people choose to live here. Um, they come from all over the world. And why do you put up with what you have to put up with to live in New York City? Well, some people it's their job. Other people it's uh, the idea. I live in New York City. Uh, mine is simply God called me to start a church here. That's why I'm here. Uh, no other reason. Uh, when we have the inner city missions class, I tell the guys, if I weren't the pastor of this church living in the building, I couldn't afford to live in Astoria. Uh, it, it was, uh, it's just too expensive. And we have all of these things that we value. We put money on them. When was the last time you sat down and valued God? You see, that's one of the ways that our worship is supposed to be based on. It says, worthy. It says, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created all things. You are the creator. The creator is greater than the creation. Amen? I know that's not astounding to you, but stop and think about it. You cannot make something greater than you are. Oh, I mean, you can build something bigger, yes. But, you know, computers, I like the statement, computers are incredibly fast, accurate, and stupid. You know, a computer can only do what you tell it to do. Now, you have those spell checkers. How many of you have spell checker on your iPhone? I hate spell checker. Because it tries to think whatever word that I'm putting down, and it's wrong about 98.9 or so percent of the time. Uh, because... I try to abbreviate words. Basement, BSMT. You ought to see what Spellchecker does with BSMT. I mean, it tries to come up with all kinds of things. And, and uh, I was sending a text to somebody. I said, I'll be there. And it put, I'll be them. And I'm sitting here going, now, that's not very helpful. And, um, but a computer can only do what you tell it to do. We, we like them, we use them, but it can't think. We, God created us with the ability to think. He created us with the ability to open our eyes. I got one of those e-books on the Hubble telescope. And it's got some incredible pictures of the universe. It was free, by the way. Uh, if you have a Kindle, you can download it from free, and it's got all these beautiful pictures. The Hubble telescope, as far as we know, it, it has given mankind the deepest and most complete view of the universe because it literally orbits around the earth and does not have to take its pictures through the clouds. Uh, we're in the process of building a new telescope that's actually going to be on the dark side of the moon so that there will be no 
the sun won't interfere with it and it will be able to look into the universe. They claim the universe is 13.5 billion light years across. Now, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Okay? 186,000 miles per second for 13.5 billion years is the distance that man believes the universe to be. Now, you know, man's been wrong about a lot of other things. He tries to judge the age of rocks and says our, our universe is about four and a half billion years old. You know what the problem is? They have found absolutely new rocks inside ancient rocks. I mean, when they broke it open, there's this little component of something that we know is much newer inside this old rock. You know what? Uh, I think most of those people that use rocks to date things have rocks up here. Uh, We don't understand a lot, but let's just take that as if it were true. How great is a creator that can stretch something over 13 and a half billion light years? Do you think he's worthy of our praise? That's that's what this is talking about. He is worthy as the creator. You know what? The creator of something, if he is our creator, he has the right to demand some things of us. Amen? He has the right to ask some things. And that is the essence of worship, is understanding that God is worthy. He is worthy as the Creator, and He is worthy as our Savior. And we spend a lot of time on that. The the song that they sing here is, Thou hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood. Have you ever thought, and I'm, I'm not one that per, uh, says you ought to do a comparative study on religions and things, but just listen to what the other religions say about salvation. Then read what the Bible says. I had a Buddhist monk, some of you remember Karma. He wanted me to teach him about the Bible. And I, I said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll try to do this. You know what? He only came to one or two church services. That was a little too much for karma. You see, he was feeling things in the church service he didn't like. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And when we were done our time together, he could tell me what it meant to be saved. But he refused to get saved. It was a tragic story. And I said, why won't you accept the God of the Bible? He says, but, he said, Buddhism is superior. I said, how? 
I said, I've read some of your stories. I mean, I've read, you've read some of the stories out of the Bible. I can tell you stories out of the Bible. Tell me some stories from your religion. I'd just like to know. And he says, well, Buddhism teaches that there were fish in a river. And they knew the people were hungry. And so the fish jumped out of the river and offered themselves to the people. I said, I wish that happened next time I go fishing. I mean, those of you that have been fishing with Brother Horton, we we catch a few fish once in a while. But the main reason you went fishing with Brother Horton was because he talked about the Bible and godly things and encouraged you in the ministry. Uh... You didn't always catch fish when you went fishing with Brother Horton. Now, I mean, we were hungry and all of that. Maybe they knew that we were overweight. and I don't know. But the simple truth is, that was one of his best stories. My story is, the Creator came down to earth and walked among us as one of us and died in my place, that my sins could be forgiven. You know, if you want a blessing, find you a few moments this week, and sit down and think about the worthiness of God. He is the Creator. He is the Savior. He has the right to tell us what to do. Amen? He has the right. He is worthy that we should worship Him. In fact, mankind finds its greatest expression, its greatest freedom... Man will find the greatest blessings that you can experience in surrendering to the greatness of God and worshiping Him. In fact, if you want to know what eternity is going to be like, that's what it's going to be about. And so we read through here, and in chapter 5, we are given a sevenfold list, a, a list of seven things that the Lamb is worthy of. And I, I want us in verse 12, I want us just to go through this list. It says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive. Now, interesting enough, the first thing that's listed there is what? Power. Now, how can God receive power? How can I... It says, worthy to receive, right? So that means that we are, if we're going to worship God, we are going to give these things to God. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God all-powerful? Yeah. Does He need my power? Uh, No, I need His. Desperately in need of His power. Amen? I mean, if we were to ask the standard question, how many of you failed in your obedience to God this past week? Let's get the hands up. Come on. Okay? Every, every honest living adult failed. 
We need His power. How many of you received God's power in some instance you can think of in the last week to be obedient to God? I mean, it wasn't all sin. Amen? Uh, we, we need to receive His power. Uh, he says, I want to give you my power. And if you want the power of God, the greatest manifestation of that power is what? Acts 1.8, ye shall be what? Witnesses. I mean, that, that is God's power. But here, when we worship Him, it says exactly the opposite. Thou art worthy to receive power. So how do I give Him power? You know, you read certain books and you would think that God is almost like a powerless being that is empowered. Uh, I remember reading a book years ago and it, it pictured God as standing there wanting to do right but lacking the ability until people prayed. I want to challenge That is blasphemous. Um, how many of you have ever heard of Frank Peretti? He writes, quote-unquote, Christian novels. It was one of his books. His first one, I think, Piercing the Darkness. If you read it, it, it paints God as not having power to do anything unless He's empowered by the prayer of His people. That's not the God of the Bible. And that's not how I give God power. The word power, what does the word power mean? Uh, I've heard preachers talk about the... Uh, the idea of power, uh, the Greek word is dunamis, where we get the word in English, dynamite. Well, I don't think God wants us to blow ourselves up. Amen? Uh, the word power simply means the ability to act upon, the ability to move. Now, we measure things in the United States by horse. Power. That's the amount of effort it takes to move one ton, one foot. That's one horsepower. And uh, I, I like horsepower because you don't have to clean up after horsepower. But you do after horses. And uh, it is just simply the ability to act upon or move. That's what power is. So how do I, how does Jesus receive power from me? It happens when I surrender my will to His. And He gives me power to obey Him. What have I just done? I've taken the power that is in my life and I've given it to Him. You've got to think about that a minute. Are we together on that? You see, He has the power. When I give Him my power, my ability, my desires, my work, again, it just all hooks in with this death of self and surrender. He then takes my little power that I give Him, my inadequate ability that I give Him, and He gives me power to bring glory to His name. It is the surrender that He wants. Because, you know what? He is worthy. 
of every bit of strength and power I had. Can we say amen to that? You see, the next one will help us see it a little clearer, more clearly, I think. You see, it says, riches. Do you know he is worthy of me taking the little bit of money that I might have and giving that to him? In fact, you know what he asked for? What does the Lord ask for in the Scripture? He asks for the tithe, does he not? That's only 10%. Now, should that be the sum total of Christian giving? No, 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 no. That's where we start. Somebody said, tithing is under the law. Uh, I want to challenge you. Tithing was long before the law came into being. Read the book of Hebrews. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the writer of Hebrews says that Levi, actually the collector of the tithes, the Levitical priesthood, collect, or paid tithes to Melchizedek because he was in Abraham's loins in his siege yet to come, showing us that there is a greater priesthood than that of Levi and the temple and the law. You see... Do I consider the Lord worthy of receiving my tithe? Or do I take it and use it for my own goals and my own ideas? This is what worship is about. You see, it's the same thing with power. God has given us differing abilities and things like that, different strengths and weaknesses. And we thank the Lord for how He has made us different one from another. But let me ask you a question. As you think about His worthiness, is He worthy to receive the greatest of your ability to act or move? Well, of course He is. Amen? But have you given that to Him? That's worship is when we take that and we give it to Him. It's power and riches. Now, this third thing is a little different again. Wisdom. I mean, we just finished the book of Proverbs. How do I give Him my wisdom? Uh, The same way you give Him your money. The same way you give Him your power. It's a surrender to understanding that His wisdom is the only true wisdom. It's a surrender of my wisdom to His. Now, Lord, here's the best I can think and do. I want you to take it. Now, what's God going to do with the best that you think and you can do? Ah, Throw it away. Amen? I mean, is not our greatest as filthy rags in His sight? God's got to get rid of it. But if you still have it, He can't get rid of it. And it hinders our worship. Amen? Worship is active, my friend, not passive. You know, most worship in most religions is a passive thing. 
the Quakers would sit there until they quaked. And that was their act of worship. Now, let me explain to you, it, it is not a bad thing to be overwhelmed with the power of God. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. And God is not pleased with us. What does it say? In James chapter 1, you know there's one God. Oh, you're doing good. The devils know. And they, what? Tremble, quake, shake. Well, you've gotten as good as the devil. Uh, think we could improve on that? Yeah. Well, here's how we do it. He is worthy. If he is worthy to receive, that means I give it. Power. My ability to move. Riches. What I have. And what is the greatest thing you have, by the way? It is your living soul. You know, if you gave God your heart, do you think your wallet might go with it? Wisdom. It is so hard. It is so hard to trust God and not trust my own thinking. Amen? The next one is strength. You see, power is what moves things. Strength is that latent. It's inside of you. If I were to do uh, 50 push-ups every day, guess what, what, guess what I would be? I'd, I'd be stronger than I am today. Amen? Uh, I would have strength. It is potential. You see, I should not be satisfied with giving God what I have, only power, riches, but I've got to get past that to wisdom, the ability to use knowledge, strength, that which I possess that I'm not using at this point, what I hope to be, what I hope to do. You see, if I give God everything I have and I give Him everything that I hope to be, is there anything left? Uh-uh. It's all gone. You see, these are the things that God receives as worship. This is something that we need to work on. This is a list in the Bible of things that we ought to be earnestly engaged in presenting before God for one reason and one reason alone. He is worthy. Now, guys, if we don't straighten this out in the front row, we're going to have to have adult intervention, okay? We'll be done in just a few minutes.
Now, let's go through our list. Verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor. Honor. That's an incredible word. I'll tell you that there are things that we ought to honor. But nothing that we honor ought to be compared to God. The simplest definition of the word honor is esteem. Is reverence. It's talking about our attitude. Well, I tell you, I get, I get angry when I hear someone say, yeah, me and the man upstairs, we're okay. You know what? You just told me you're not. Because if you can refer to the God of heaven as the man upstairs, you've got some serious, deep-rooted problems with this word called honor, which is an essential component of worship. You know, it would be easier to obey the things that are in the Bible if we had more honor for the author. Amen? That, that's what it's talking about here. To receive honor. You know, it's not just some hyped up idea. I'm, I'm trying to think of how big God is and I'm imagining the universe and I'm imagining the whole universe laid out and here's God's big toe right in front of it. Okay, where, where's the practical application there? You know what, how God wants me to honor Him? You see, I've, I've met some people, they've got all these great thoughts about God, but they can't get out of bed and get to church. That doesn't work. You see, I really can't honor God biblically until He has my power, my riches, my wisdom, my strength. Now I can honor Him. You know, the greatest honor that we can do to another human being is change the way I live in respect to the way they lived. You know, there are a lot of Americans that honored those that died on 9-11. You know how they did it? They went out and put their name on the line and joined the U.S. military. You know what? That will change a little bit about your life, now won't it? Uh, they'll tell you how to eat and when to eat and when to get up and when to go to bed. And if you can't go to bed, when they tell you, you get in a lot of trouble. I was talking with someone and I said, you know, I had to make a choice between going into the military and going to Bible college. I chose Bible college and I think both the military and, and, and I were blessed by that decision. I don't know that uh, I would have been what I thought I could be. 
Uh, I've always thought that if I ever joined the military, I'd enjoyed it so much that I never would have done anything else. I'm not quite sure about that now. I have a little more wisdom down the line. But I'll tell you this. Is he worthy of receiving everything that I can be? Is he worthy of me honoring him, allowing him to change my life and the way I live in respect of him and how he lived? That's honor. What's the next one? Glory. I think this is the hardest one for us. You know, the word glory itself comes from uh, a word that actually means shadow. When, when you're talking about the glory of something, you're, you're talking about that invisible aura about it. You know, we, we need to worship God for what He does, but we also need to worship Him for just who He is as God, His being. You know, it's the difference between praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is thanking God for something He's done. Praise is honoring Him for who He is. Uh, I want to tell you, you've got to have both. And most of what goes on for praise today is not praise at all. I remember asking a guy, he said, he says, we dance for Jesus. What do you think of that? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. If I came into your church and you were dancing for Jesus, like you said, would I fall down on my knees and say, oh, God is so great? Or would I think you're just having a good time? And he looked at me and smiled and he says, oh, he says, you think we having a good time? I said, then that's not Worship. He went, ooh, yeah, now I see. You see, glory is understanding who God is. How many of you remember the story of Abraham taking Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah? And all of a sudden, Abraham, the light went on. It's not my son, it's going to be God's son. You know what? God got some glory that day. Because Abraham just understood a little bit more about who God is. Glory doesn't come naturally. It's something you've got to labor for. You can't get to glory until you got past the end of yourself. And this last one is a blessing. And they're not always in this order. That's why uh, I did not say this was a, uh, a, a progression, because sometimes blessing will come first. Uh, honor and glory, sometimes glory and honor. I mean, they're all mixed up in different orders, given to us in different orders in here, but we have a sevenfold thing, and it ends here in blessing. Now, when I read the word blessing in the Bible, you know where I go first? Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. That word blessing is talking about favor. But it's really, it's got this idea of 
happiness and joy because of that favor. I mean, has someone ever just been favorable to you and because they were in a position of maybe a little better authority or wealth or something, uh, I remember a blessing one time. I, I felt like I was the most important man in the world. You know, Brother Thompson took me out and bought me a suit. You know why? Because he saw some of the things I was wearing and he said, he, he needs some. But he was a blessing to me that day. I said, my, my preacher did that for me. And you see, when is the last time you derived or brought joy into your life because of something God did? I was walking up the street. We were passing out tracks. Jason will remember this. The gust of wind came by and the napkins blew off the thing there. And what was the first word out of their mouth? Oh God, there go my napkins. I just quickened my pace and kept moving. I mean, there were some things I wanted to say that weren't very nice. Because that is so derogatory. You know, there are bad things that happen in all of our lives. But when's the last time we counted God worthy and said, even if you bring sorrow into my life, I'm going to count it joy. Ooh. That's blessing. No matter what he does. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Why? Because he is worthy. But I'll tell you, it's not all just that. There are some times when God does some very special things, isn't there? You know, we need to take... Here, here's a sevenfold list. If you like numbers, when you see something come in a bundle of seven, that means it's complete. You know what is in this bundle of seven? All of Him and none of me. Amen? He is worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Any joy. I have is because of Him. And even when He chooses to give me sorrow, I can still count it joy because He gave it to me. Now, if you decide to go out and play in traffic, that's not a blessing. That's just plain dumb. But when God brings sorrow into our lives and we are being obedient to Him, we can count it blessing because He's worthy. What did the disciples say? They rejoiced because they were worthy to suffer 
shame for his name. Wow. See, this worship thing isn't a rock guitar and a bunch of people swaying back and forth on a platform. Uh, that's what most people call worship today. Worship is evaluating his worthiness. Can you imagine God wanting to receive my power and your power? But when we surrender our abilities to Him, He accepts that as worship. He who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, He would not come to us. He does not ask us things because He needs it. He asks us to give because when we do, It's surrender to Him and His goodness. It opens the doors for His blessing. When I turn from my wisdom and embrace His, He'll take my wisdom and get rid of it so that it doesn't hurt me anymore. That's worship. And I'll take my strength, that which is potential, and I'll give it to Him before I have a chance to waste it so He can do something good with it. Amen? Honor, glory, and blessing. What a list! Worship. You know, it would do us well to just write those things out and think about them. You know, one of the reasons that we don't always have everything that we need on Sunday morning in a service is, is because we're not always prepared when we get here. Could you imagine what might happen on Sunday morning if our members came in here prepared for worship? You know what? It might be scary, but it sure would be full of blessing. Amen? And we need to ask God to help us. You need to pray for your preacher. That I can walk with the Lord and have the message that we need. We need to work together. Because worship is not the act of one individual. Here, read in the book of Revelation there. There are 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. You know what that means? There are just more people than you can count. There are more people and angels and beasts and all of these things than than we can number. I mean, I kind of like that old hymn, Holy, 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 but i got a problem with it. When anybody ever sings that song, it's Holy, Holy, Holy. You You can't. You can't strip the gears in your vocal box singing that song. It just doesn't work. It sounds ridiculous. When those four beasts cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, let me tell you something. The foundation stones of heaven are moving. I mean, the place is vibrating. It's coming apart at the seams, we might say. It fills everything. Because... He is worthy. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us. Lord, we've handled with our hands. And Lord, I've tried to present with this sermon things that are just so far above our human ability and understanding. Lord, you want our worship. We do such a poor, poor job. Help us, Lord. Grab a hold of our souls. Help us to worship you. Help us to practice for heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just keep our heads bowed. If the Lord has spoken to you, you need to come and spend a little bit of time at the altar. The altar's open. We'll get right into our prayer time.